0: Welcome to the swim Swam podcast. I'm your host Coleman Hodges joining me today. We've got a very special guest. She is an Olympic champion, a world champion, a Pan American champion, a US national champion, and uh, coming out of college, you wouldn't have even really expected it. Uh, and now she's a freaking lawyer in Washington, DC. Uh, please welcome Katie Miley. Katie, how's it going?
1: Hi Coleman, thanks. That's a great introduction and uh, it's going great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Super excited to get you on this uh, on the podcast in this format because you know you have such an interesting journey through swimming through life, um, and I'm I'm super stoked to talk to you about it. Uh, let's let's start with the here and now though. You recently graduated from law school, I think in May, um, <laughs> during a pandemic. Uh, and what have you been doing in the meantime?
1: Oh man, 2020. <laughs> crazy time. Um, my year has looked a lot like pretty much everyone else's on the planet, which is a whole lot of nothing, a lot of sitting around the house and, um, quarantine hobbies like puzzles and walks. But, um, I, so, yeah, so I did graduate in May and, um, unfortunately COVID robbed us of all the pomp and circumstance, but, um, a lot of other people are in the same boat and just grateful that we could finish out, um, school and, um, Georgetown, which is where I went to law school, did a great job of kind of seamlessly transitioning to online learning. Um, and then I took the bar exam, which was thrilling. Um, <laughs> studied. Adrenaline rush. Yeah, um, let's see, that, that was in, it was supposed to be in July, another thing COVID interrupted, um, cause it's an in-person like two to mm-hmm. three day test. Um, so a lot of states canceled theirs, pushed them back, um, moved them online. So there was a lot of uncertainty with that. So I was felt like I was studying for the bar for just months on end. Like usually you dedicate about two months to studying, um, except so I was like, okay. And then it got canceled and then it got postponed and then it got canceled again. So pretty much from May until October when I actually took it, I was just studying. I'm with with some breaks in between. Every time it got canceled, I'd be like, okay, two week break for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I took the bar in October. I get my results back in a couple of weeks. So everyone just say a little prayer, cross your fingers for me. And um, I started working at uh, Jones Day, which is a big law firm in the world, but a big office here in DC. And I'm Right now, focusing on corporate litigation, but doing a lot of different and exciting things. And happy to be working, and um, grateful to have a job, and just looking forward to sort of starting my career.
0: That that all sounds super exciting, especially taking the bar itself. I yeah, couldn't really it. so I couldn't think of a bigger thing.
1: anyone. <laughs> want something fun to do.
0: Um by the way, you, I love your glasses. or the did you get those when you become a lawyer or you when you yeah. graduate? Law this is law
1: what law? they give you at graduation so <laughs> that you can be extra nerdy just like every other <laughs> lawyer. Um, <laughs> these are like $20 from this website called I Buy Direct, which I love because they're really cheap glasses, but they definitely don't last. Like I feel, I don't know what they just like stretch out super easy. But if you're looking for a great pair of glasses, check
0: them out. I buy direct, not, not sponsored.
1: <laughs> not sponsored. Hashtag sponsor me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Still's got, still, still has the pro swimming mindset. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 Please give <be> me things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, so let's let's get into this this swimming stuff. Um, have you been swimming at all uh, post retirement or, or during the pandemic?
1: um sadly no because i can't really find access to a pool right now um much less sad for me than for swimmers who are actually training uh, but it's been tough and i retired i officially stopped swimming last summer and so for kind of the second half of last year i was kind of like anti-swimming like i didn't have any desire to get into a pool i just needed some time mm-hmm. um and then right when I started getting the urge to like, I just want to go swim, everything shut down. So I haven't really been able to, I, I did do um, some clinics with fitter and faster and um, with breakout clinics over the summer. And those were my really only my times to be in the pool and never in my life at a clinic have I loved being in the water as much as I did it. Like I just spent the whole time in the water. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so that was nice. nice. But no, I haven't been swimming. I, I really do miss it. I dream about swimming at least once a week, sometimes more, which I find very strange. And I think that it's my brain, because like swimming was always my happy place I'm like somewhere I could go to de stress, as it is for many people. Um, and I feel like my brain is just needs it so bad that it's like creating it while I sleep, which <laughs> is kind of nice, but sometimes they're like stress dreams. I had a dream that David was yelling at me one day. <laughs> Um, that I was like out of meet and couldn't find my suit. So some of them aren't fun, but it's nice to at least like feel a little bit of reminiscing going on in my dreams.
0: <laughs> yeah I was gonna ask are they like happy dreams or are they like bad it's stress dreams but yeah you know, mostly good both.
1: mostly happy yeah. and some really bad. I've also had the dream where like I just show up at a pool currently in my present state not having trained in a year and just like at of meet like they're like, all right, you're on the relay and I'm like, oh my god, they're gonna know like I haven't. <laughs> I'm in swam,
0: <laughs> dude. I, I really have a hard time believing that would be that much of a problem for you, but
1: uh, okay, it could, be, it could be pretty ugly. <laughs> let's not try um, it.
0: Let's not. We're not gonna try it anytime soon. So, um, so you mentioned that swimming's always been your happy place, and and let's let's go back to that. Uh, let, that's a good place to start. When you first got into the water, first got into swimming, was that the case?
1: So it's funny from like very first start I I hated it. I was really young yeah. and had never been on a swim team or around a swim team and kind of just joined. My sister and I joined the summer league team in our neighborhood because we were both in gymnastics and she had broken her ankle pretty badly and it had healed and so the doctor was like, "Oh, swimming's great therapy." So my mom kind of just like looked around the corner at the, you know, local pool and was like, "Oh, they have a swim team. Sure, they can join." And you know how summer league is like crazy. There's a million kids. I had no idea what was going on. So at first I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I was also very shy as a child. So it was really stressful to me, but, um, I think it was, it wasn't my, my first meet, I was swimming the 50 free and I think I had been on the team for like two or three days and I didn't even know what a 50 was <laughs> except like, except to go down and back. Um, and in my first lap, I, I, like dove in doggy paddled to the 25 and then just got out of the race fully knowing I had to go back. But I was like, this is way too hard. Um, but then my, so that didn't go very well, but my second me, and I, I wanted to quit after I tell this story a lot to young swimmers. I wanted to quit cause I thought it was hard. And my mom said, we don't quit when things get hard. You're going to go back tomorrow and you're going to try again. And that was like, I think a great life lesson, but also one that she forced me to learn that I'm appreciative now. Um, <laughs> But my second meet, I, you know, I saw everybody walking around with the ribbons, all the pretty colored ribbons, and I really wanted one. And so I like asked my coach, um, how do I get one of those? And she said, just beat the person next to you. And that was like a light bulb. Nobody had told me it was a race or like a competition, I think. And I've always been really competitive. I was like the type, the annoying young type before I learned manners that I would like flip over the board game if I was losing. Um, and I was like, Oh, it's a race. Like easy. Like I've got this. And that was all I needed. It was like light bulb. Um, and I remember my sister laughing at me. She was like, you're not going to get a ribbon. Like you didn't, you couldn't even finish your race last week. Like Nothing <laughs> has changed. Um, but I did, I got fourth place and I, I still have, I remember it was yellow. I still have that ribbon. And it was kind of like my first experience of very small scale, but of like wanting something, figuring out what did I need to do to do it and then like doing it. And that felt really good. So that was kind of my first hook. And I think from that moment on, I was like, this is it. I love this. Um, so from then on, from my second week of swimming on, it was my happy place. But the first, it was a bit of a, r- a
0: rough <laughs> rough introduction. <Yes>. but <laughs> That sounds like a pretty quick adjustment and do, I mean, I still have friends who will flip the game board. I don't, I mean.
1: <laughs> I have my moments, but I'm really learning patience
0: as I grow up. <laughs> Nice. And so you, hold on, I can do this. You grew up in the DFW Metroplex area?
1: Yes, great job.
0: <laughs> in the, in the super mall that is Dallas Fort Worth
1: in the suburbs, uh, and, yes yeah in it's that area it's quite expansive, yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you know you, you you started summer league but then uh, was club was club another different kind of light bulb for you
1: not really my so my summer league coach was also the club coach a club okay. coach and at the end of the season um, i i didn't want to stop and she was like oh you don't have to you can just join this team so i switched to club swimming right after that summer I think I was nine years old and eight or nine still and I just never stopped and actually that the club team that I joined it's called Mars is still very much alive and healthy in that area um, and the coach I had then is still the head coach now and so the, the, which happens a lot in North Texas swimming there's a lot of lifers <laughs> in the coaching and on the teams there so it's it's nice to be able to still have that connection and you know, communicate with those teams and go home and see people there.
0: Definitely. Uh, did you do other sports still? Like once you started swimming,
1: I did, I did. I, I stuck with gymnastics for a little bit longer. And it's funny. Cause when I look back, I was like, why didn't I like gymnastics is so cool and fun, but I just loved swimming. So there there came a point when I couldn't do both. I think like gymnastics and swim practice were at the same time. And so my mom was like, which one would you rather do? And I picked swimming. Um, And then in middle school, I did all the sports, volleyball, basketball, track. I I don't think I ever played soccer Um, and I wasn't very good at anything else. (laughs) I was like maybe decent at volleyball, terrible at basketball. And then at my first track meet, my dad came to watch. My dad is great, by the way, caveat, but he came to watch and afterwards he was like, you know, that was a race, right? Like you were supposed to run fast. I was like, dad, that is so mean. Um, and he's very supportive. He's like, my parents are great. Uh, so that's pretty telling. If, and I still am a slow runner. I've, I've been trying to improve in my post swimming days, but it's hard.
0: I that's that's your sign right you know you're a swimmer when uh when land sports just don't do the trick
1: did not yeah I had a blast like I it's part of you know everyone I was doing it with school and all my friends were doing it Mm -hmm. but yeah didn't nothing quite (laughs) nothing quite caught for me (laughs) I just stayed in the pool
0: and I mean was there a A period where you felt you got, maybe not like when you gave, when you're like, okay, I'm only going to do swimming, but a period when you got that aha moment you're like, okay, I could be pretty good at this or I'm going to take, start really investing into swimming.
1: Yeah, I think um, I was probably in like the 11, 12 age group when I started getting pretty good and like noticing that I was finishing at the top and all like the meets I was going to. And that's also when I noticed that I was good at breaststroke. Like it was a pretty early onset thing for me. Um, and I think my first time I realized it is I was in like the, one of the age groups and I was beating people in the senior group at meets. Like we had an inner squad meet on our team and um, I must have been like 12, 11, 12, 13, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was like beating, I was like winning from um, not the senior group. And I remember being like, oh, like maybe I'm pretty good at this. And, um, you know, I think once you have those realizations, you start setting goals for yourself that kind of match your expectations. So I was just like really in it. I, I loved practice and I loved competing. I liked winning, but I didn't have like high goals for myself because I just wasn't aware of where I was in the grand scheme of things, you know, like just kind of happy to be there and not really like being like, oh, I want to do this and this and this in this sport. And then when I realized, like when I started winning stuff, I was like, oh, And I wanted to get into the senior group. And then when I was in the senior group, you start setting time goals and meet goals. And so that's probably when I started really investing and, um, not just like showing up to practice because it was fun to hang out with my friends and I liked racing, like the boys in my group, but showing up for long-term goals. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, did, once you got into that senior group, um, a, how old were you and B, did, did I mean, were you looking up to these kids? Do you, did you have any specific role models or, or people that were like, wow, I, I really want to emulate them or be like them.
1: Uh, yeah, I had a lot of role models and they're still my friends today, which is cool. I, so they actually kind of, and I appreciate this. Um, I think it was a concerted effort with my parents and the coaches. They, I think held me back from the senior group, maybe longer than I wanted to be because yeah. it was doubles and pretty intense practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been the youngest. So I think they were like, you're going to be fine. We'll just keep you like, you're doing fine where you are. Um, but then once I got and you know, it's, I, there was a guy on our team, um, Derek Ernst, who I still am friends with, who qualified for trials. And he was, I think the only person on our team oh, no, for junior nationals. Um, and I just was like, wow, that is so cool. And like, he, he got to go to juniors and that was kind of like, oh, I want to be like that. And I want to be in that group. And swim like them. Um, and then I ended up switching club teams halfway through high school. My team kind of folded in on itself. And one of those things where it kind of got consumed by another team and everyone scattered, um, again, DFW area, many, many club teams. They like all like shift in size through the years. Um, they get small and they get big again. But, uh, so the second club team I was on NTN also still a great, amazing team. Um, Was was really when I started improving a lot, and um, there was it was a lot bigger team and a little bit more competitive. So I I just had a blast. Went to juniors. It's when I qualified for World Championship Trials in two thousand nine. So that was like my end of sophomore, junior, and senior year was when I kind of I think um, like that was my first. I always look at my career in terms of like little breakthroughs because like I had one. At the end of high school at the end of college and then they just kind of kept going on but um
0: and then one was like every before. month after that for the next five years
1: <laughs> um that was my first <laughs> mini breakthrough which was um which was nice i loved high school swimming and then like so on the flip side i i went to a small catholic high school in fort worth um who has has a swim team had a swim team but in texas as i'm sure many of you know uil public high school swimming is like everything um and i didn't compete there with them so i like private school is a much smaller division and um not very competitive uh so i my whole thing was club swimming i obviously trained trained with all the public school kids but um didn't compete at that texas high school level Uh, And I kind of love that. I think that was a blessing in disguise. They were all swimming doubles every single day and like they would do morning practice, school, afternoon practice, um, like all through high school. And I think I was only doing doubles maybe twice a week in this school year. I mean, I did doubles in the summer, but um, sometimes I think kids swim too much and they need more sleep. And I was really appreciative. I think my parents were appreciative. And I think it set me up for long-term success because um, I just, you know, developed a little better and a little bit, was I as fast as them then? No. <laughs> um, but I appreciate it now.
0: Absolutely. I, I mean, I know I talked to, I've talked to lots of coaches about this, but specifically one she and she had said, I quit doing morning practice and, uh, you know, within three months, all of my 16 year old boys had grown four inches because they were sleeping, <laughs> you know, an extra two hours. Um, I, so I, I agree. That's it's an interest. It's that is interesting, and that's cool that you know you you can look back and appreciate. Oh, I didn't swim as much, and I think that set me up well. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you? I know you said primarily you were club. Did your high school even have a swim team?
1: We did, and we went. Um, I think we got second and third at state all four years I was there. So we we had a good swim team. Um, And, you know, like high school swimming for me, it was, it was just fun. It was like, you, you know, you're with your friends from school, not necessarily with your swim friends. Um, So it's like just a different dynamic and meets are totally different structure, you know, like one day instead of a three day, three day long big meet. So Um, I had a, I had a blast swimming in high school and then actually my high school just built a brand new natatorium, which I got to go see recently and it's beautiful and it blew me away. And I was like, Oh my God, my high school where swimming, like we used to take the school bus to our meets, like, like from Dallas to San Antonio. Like we just, there wasn't no, there was very little funding and we had like parkas passed down from, I don't know, like 1980. Um so I was thrilled and the pool's really beautiful and there aren't a lot of pools. My high school's in Fort worth, um, pretty close to downtown and there aren't a lot of pools in that area. So I think it's really good for the community also. And it, it'll be good for, uh, I mean, just even like the neighborhood in terms of lessons and getting people exposed to the sport. So that's exciting.
0: Uh, any, anytime there's a new pool, I think it's, it's a good news for the sport. I totally thought you were going to say they named the pool after you. <laughs> no,
1: Uh, I didn't fund it. (laughs) Um, Uh, so that would, so, yeah, I think that title does, I think that title is deserving of the person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. Um, and so, you know, you had a good high school swim experience, just, I gotta ask, uh, on, on the club side, did you guys have grueling training? Was there, is there a practice that stands out to you that was just particularly brutal because I think lots of club swimming, you know, that's a lot of people's experiences. You see lots of high school swimmers just walking and be like, all right, back to the grind.
1: Uh, yes, it's funny when earlier when you were like, Oh, you didn't swim as much and you appreciated it later. I look back and I was like, Oh, but we swam when I swam, it was a (laughs) lot. And, um, part of the calculus of me switching teams was that that previous team I had been on sort of my first experience in a senior group, um, like just so hard, like so much yardage all the time. And I think uh, to your earlier point, I was so broken down always that I just couldn't swim fast. And I remember one practice, like we we did crazy things. I did a 3000 yard breaststroke for time once. Like, what does that do? Nothing. If any coaches are listening, <laughs> never do that, um, Nothing, <laughs> except give me a terrible headache because I was just doing this for like 45 minutes or however long it took me. Um, we would go on training trips in summer and I, we would do like 16, 400 IMs long course and a um, hundred hundreds. I remember there was a hundred hundreds. I think it must've been 130 long course because like I could not have made the interval, but sometimes I look back at what I did when I was that age. And I was like, wow, I could not have done that as like, as an Olympian, like as the, some of the stuff I did as a kid, crazy. Um, and so hard.
0: That's, that sounds intense. Yeah. You just, that's, that's the gambit of just yeah long swimming,
1: man. but you know, it's, it's so funny. Cause I, I look back and I'm like, wow, But I think that was like, I had a really great base, a really great aerobic base going into college. And I also trained really hard in college. I did a lot of yards. I think people were always surprised to hear that because I didn't swim distance events, but I trained with the 400 IM and distance group in college. And I think that base set me up for when I was a pro and got to Marsh who could fine tune a little bit and I could step back from the volume. And I think that that was all kind of key of coming together. Like I had this really great aerobic capacity Um, but I, I've always been more of a sprinter and he was able to sort of see that and take it. And I think fine tune what needed to be fine tuned. So, um, so while I say that swimming a lot when you're young is hard, um, sometimes it can be worth it, but I do think there's a shift in the sport. I think coaches are realizing that, um, quantity, no quality might be more important, um, than quantity, or or at least focusing on it a little bit more than maybe coaches in the past have.
0: Agreed. And I, I think that's a great thing. Uh, but so you, you mentioned you had, you know, kind of a breakthrough at the end of high school. And you also mentioned, um, that, you know, when you were swimming that much, you were tired a lot. You couldn't always perform at your best. So tell me about that end of high school breakthrough and also heading into college. Did you think, I mean, obviously. I'm guessing you thought, Oh, I can get better. But did you think like, Oh, I, I really swam as fast as I could have in high school. Or did you think there was kind of still things left on the table?
1: Um, that's a good question. I, I think that I knew I could get better. Um, but I think every swimmer kind of feels that, and that's part of, you know, that's part of the whole, um, like mental, mental side of the sport is when you get good, you're like, Oh my God, is this as good as i am ever going to get? Like, how am I going to get better? Like, what am I going to do next? Um, and I think I, I definitely felt some of that. I was really excited to go and, um, to go to college and I went to Columbia. I, I like loved it there. I loved being at school in New York. So I was just like a really happy person at that time. So I had a feeling that I would improve in college just out of the joy of, of being on a college team and, Um, getting to see that side of the sport. But my, so I'm trying to think when I had that sort of breakthrough at the end of college, it was right when the suits came out. I graduated high school in 2009. So it was like 2008. And I remember the first time I put on a laser, I like dropped seven seconds in the 200 breasts. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) like I'm good. Um, (laughs) um, But that was another thing, right? Like I thought that it was the suit. And so for a couple of years after that, Um, I had a hard time being like, Oh, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to swim that fast again. Um, or if I do, it's, it's not me, it's the suit, which is like such a stupid thought when I look back on it. But, um, but you know, it it was, it was kind of true. I, I put on the suit and went way faster and everything and was like, Whoa, um, this changes the calculus a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think. And then so to, to sort of wrap this up, so I went into college just being really excited to be a college student. And I think my college coaches will tell you my freshman year, I wasn't so focused on my swimming goals. I was focused on my social life goals um, and I, you know, didn't sleep a lot. I was out a lot. I was hanging out a lot. Um, I mean, I, I did well in school and in swimming, but I, I, I was kind of just like soaking it all in and living life. And then I think it was my sophomore year of college, my coaches kind of, they pretty much sat me down and they were like, listen, you have way more potential than we think you think you have. Like, I, I think they were like, do you realize that you have the potential to be really, really good? And I was kind of like, well, like, I know I can be good. And they were like, no, we think you have like potential that you might not even realize. Um which to their credit, right. They were right. And, um, I really appreciate them sort of pushing me in that direction. And they were kind of like, okay, like if you, these are the goals we think you can reach. And if you think that's something you want to do, like you need to get serious about how you're going to do that. And, um, I think from that moment forward in college, I was very focused in on swimming also school, obviously, but, um, put some of my social life on pause, but still had a great time. My friends will tell you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I I totally relate. I mean, I I got to the end of high school and I had always thought I was going to swim in college, and then it was kind of like I want to do other things and I'd like to you know focus elsewhere and have a life. And you know, first my first year of college, I was the exact same way, except I didn't swim. Right, I was living life and having and socializing and doing all the things you can't do when you're a swimmer. I think there's a lot of eighteen and nineteen year olds that you know have that desire. um, And so I totally, totally get it. Freshman years, not for sleeping, (laughs) but that's, that's cool that, you know, you had those, those mentors, those coaches to say, Hey, you know, maybe this direction might be good. And so from then on, um, how, how do you think your swimming was affected? I mean, what did you just, were you more focused? Were you trying putting in more effort? Um, or was it just kind of all the mental shift?
1: Um, I think probably a little bit of everything. Um, I, you know, was more focused in the pool, but also outside of the pool. So trying to get more sleep, I was more committed to my goals in the weight room. Um, that was another big piece for me. I, I didn't lift really in high school. Like we had weights, but we would like go in there, sit on the benches and like chat. Um, so I became pretty committed to getting stronger and working with my strength coach and, um, you know, just, just some of the little stuff we got, um, a new coach my sophomore year who was the assistant, Michael Sabala, who I credit for, if not all of my success, or at least my postgraduate success, he was really the one that kind of pushed me and, and uh, really encouraged me to take, to take the opportunity and to take the shot. And I think always believed in me that I could, you know, win an Olympic medal or two one day when nobody else would have believed that. And we just, I mean, I started training harder and practices got harder and I became more focused on them and eager to do well. My goals got, um, got a little bit more intense and I sort of raised the bar. I talked to young swimmers a lot. I was setting goals that earlier on, I was setting goals that were hard, but I knew I could accomplish, right? Like it would be a time drop. That wasn't so crazy because me, like I'm sure a lot of other people, swimmers have a tendency to be type A perfectionists. And when we don't accomplish what we set out to accomplish, that can feel really terrible. I hated failure. So, um, to, in my mind, failure was failure. It took me a long time to realize that failure is actually a really good thing and um, a way to grow. But so I was setting these like pretty comfortable goals. Like I wanted to, you know, win IVs or like go a best time by this much. And um, it was that year that I set goals that were like, I wanna you know, be top eight at NCAAs, which was a pretty crazy goal for me. Cause I didn't even make the meet, um, my freshman or sophomore year. So it was, um, it was a big step, I think in a lot of different areas.
0: Yeah. Um, Oh man, I had a question. I'm sorry. I'm blanking. Um, so, so you really step up your swimming and, uh, you, you mentioned earlier, this is what it was mentioned earlier that you trained in the distance group. You trained, you know, 400 IM and with, with the D crew, um, was that your decision? Was that the coach's decision? Because what, I mean, you were swimming breaststroke, IM events. I mean, was, yeah. Was there a correlation between what yeah. you were swimming and how you you training?
1: I think so. So I was sw- my, I swimming a lot of breaststroke and sprint free and I am, which is kind of what I've always done. But, um, but my sophomore year, you know, and, like any college swimmer will tell you, you do what's needed for the team. And we had, as, as well as individual goals, we had lofty team goals for the Ivy league and, um, you know, Harvard and Yale are very good in the Ivy league. They kind of go back and forth and Princeton. Um, and we wanted to be competitive with those teams. So I did, you know, what was needed for the team. And that was the 400 IM, the 200 free, the 200 breasts. And those kinds of things were, um, I needed to train that way to be good at them. So my sophomore year at Ivy's, I actually didn't even swim the hundred breaststroke. I swam the 200 IM and the 400 IM and the 200 breast, which is like, you look at me and you're like, you swam those events. Like as a, like my professional career, you would have been like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I did them well. Like I I was pretty good at them. And um, I say it's because it was short course. My long course 400 IM is not (laughs) not good. but, but to be good at those, I had to train, you know, like a 400 I or, um, or 200 freestyler trains and all the time, knowing that if I got better in those events, my other events would come along too. And I think that's, you know, that's the mentality of a lot of swimmers and really good swimmers train hard. And I wanted to be a really good swimmer. So, um, it was a lot of, you know, my coaches pushed me towards it, but I knew that I couldn't do like I wasn't good enough at the time to do 25 speed bursts and like make NCAAs, you know, like I had to put in the work first. Um, and then later, right. Like as a pro I could do 25 speed bursts and that's how I would get, you know, from 99% to a hundred. But at that level, I was still like an 85% level swimmer. I needed to like do the work to get up to to the top.
0: Yeah. And so, maybe not your crowning achievement, but what was one goal throughout college that, um, that you set that you were really, really proud of when you finally did accomplish it?
1: Oh, this is, that's a great question. Um, and I have an answer. So part of the reason why college swimming is so hard is because the meets are compact and you swim a lot of events close together and everyone knows that. Um, and i so at ivy's obviously we swam all the relays but at ncaa's i had uh the luxury although it's sad of not doing relays because we didn't have enough people at the meet to form a relay which is fine but um so i got to just swim my individual events but i did have a goal the 200 breast is on the last day of every conference meet and i would kind of get to that event and be like "Hmm, i don't really like it like (laughs) I've done pretty well already. Uh, it's the third 50. Like my legs, are, like I would, I would check out a little bit. Um, and I had a, or I would like have a fine prelim swim and then like get to finals and be like, I'm just ready to like have dinner and like see my family. Right. Um, and I wasn't kind of, I wasn't completing the meets to my fullest ability. And so my, my goal, my senior year was to go to NCAAs to swim all three days and um, to do well in all three days. And at NCAA's my senior year, I got ninth in the 200 breaststroke, and I was devastated in prelims because I wanted to make the final. And I ended up uh, like going really fast at night, which was something I was proud of. But that was that was definitely a goal, really. And that's what when I tell people when you're setting goals, don't just like don't just set oh I want to go this time in the 100 breaststroke. Like you can get really creative with goals, and that's why I love that question is because the goal was yes to do well in the 200 breaststroke, but the goal was to see something through to completion, which, um, was something that I had had a hard time with in college. And, um, that was like, it took a different type of work, probably more mental than physical, but, um, important nonetheless.
0: Definitely. Uh, I mean, yeah, I just talked to someone, um, his name's Clyde Lewis. He's an Australian swimmer and yeah, I just talked to him and you know, he, it's coming up through his swimming career, he was like, you know, I was stoked when I got third at our Olympic trials, because like at the time that was like, that was really good for me. And then like, you know, I went to worlds and like our relay got fourth and I was stoked because like, that was my first world championships. And like, I did really well, but it's, yeah, you, you, you make the goals your own. You don't have to let the medal or the place right. um, necessarily dictate that. That's so, funny. uh, tell me about this big breakthrough at the end of college?
1: Um, let's see. So I, I think it was more of when I look back, like people love to be like, Oh my God, like you had these crazy breakthroughs and like you did this. But to me, cause I'm the only one of my coaches and my teammates know like the steady work that I was putting in. So mm-hmm. a lot of times big breakthroughs to me just kind of felt like the next step, like something that was, I knew was coming that was within me. Um, but yeah, so my improvements at the end of college, I think, and I mean, I went from not making NCAAs. I think I got fifth in the 200 I am my senior year, maybe seventh and like third in the hundred breasts and ninth in the 200. And So I went from not making the meat at all to placing, which was crazy to most people. Um, but just kind of like a steady progression of what I knew, you know, I was capable of achieving. So it was just a confluence of all of the things I've already talked about. I think just training really hard, um, staying really consistent. I think that's probably the biggest challenge for college swimmers is consistency because the season is a little bit different than what you're used to in club swimming when it's kind of all year round and you have a spring season and a summer season. Um, in college, it's just like you build up from September And then February, March, and it's kind of over. And because in college, there's so many great opportunities in the summer, like jobs and internships and traveling abroad, um, a lot of swimmers take advantage of those. And I think that's great. But I think the biggest challenge is maintaining consistency because you can't swim from September to March and be a great swimmer. Like you have to swim all year around. Um, And we talked about it. It's, you know, it's 50 weeks of the year of intensity. And so that was... um, That was something that was really hard in college to say no to some opportunities and to train at school by myself when my teammates were away i obviously trained over spring break alone when my teammates were all you know on spring break and i trained in the summers by myself um either before or after my internships so it's not it's not something that um i mean a lot of people balanced it but i think that's the hardest thing for college swimmers because you want to you know, do great in school. You want to get a job for when you graduate to do that. You have to do internships. You want to travel, you want to hang out with your friends. Um, and that's a really full plate. If you're also trying to be a really great swimmer. So
0: that's a, that's a really full plate. And that's, I mean, that's an incredible balance to balance if uh if you're a college student i mean i just talked to a, a, a couple different guys about us training on their own and they're both breaststrokers and they're like you can do it if you're a breaststroker like it's it's possible it's because
1: breaststrokers uh, are weird we're all that's what they said
0: <laughs> they're they like breaststroke's so we one of them was like breaststroke's more about the feel so if you're swimming and if you're doing it by yourself then like you can do it and it's not like you have to put in a lot of intense work, like with a freestyler backstroke or butterfly to like, kind of keep, keep it all there. Um, but from what you said, it sounds like that's a lot of time swimming by yourself, especially as a college student who's, you know, I'm guessing at this point you didn't have the idea that you were going to continue your swimming after college. Right. So that, yeah. I was I mean, just
1: doing it for my college goals. And um, I think that made the decision for me to, to try pro swimming easier because I had already sacrificed so much and it was kind of like, well, I've done all this work. Um, I'm still improving. So I kind of want to, you know, reap the benefits of, of my hard work, so to speak. So, um, when I graduated from Columbia, I, I mean, three months before I graduated, I had no plan to continue swimming. I think I had, I think I had planned to finish off that summer, um, it was a uh, world championship trials, 2013. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'll finish my career with long course, you know, on a high note and that'll be it.
0: Did you um, like long course?
1: I didn't in, okay. in high school or in college. Um, okay. I, I hadn't, I mean, I hadn't had the opportunity to, to really train. And I was just, I think most college swimmers love short course so much. And like, that's what you're training and competing. And it's, it's much easier. So, (laughs) um, but I, yeah, I had no plans to continue with my swimming career and I actually had a job lined up, um, at a law firm and I was just going to do what I'm doing now, but four years earlier. And, um, my same coaches were the ones really to sit me down and to say, you know, you, you should really think about this and we can help you guide you, you know, connect you with people that will make this a reality. And I was kind of like, why would I be a professional swimmer? Um, I was saying that my friends were saying that they were like, you're going to do what? Like, dumb
0: friends. <laughs>
1: um, I know some of them were great. Most of them were supportive, but I think behind my back, they were like, what does she do? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and even, I mean, when I, when I first talked to David Marsh, I remember, I think. I think I've told this story before he, we talked at ultra swim. So that was may of my senior year, literally like, I think a week or two before I was graduating from college. And he had said, like, you're you can come like swim with us. You can try it out. And when I showed up, I think he really forgot. I think he was like, who, like, what did I say to you? And I was like, you told me I could join this team. And he was <laughs> like, Oh, okay. Get in. Like it was, it was that I was that unknown. Um, yeah. Maybe he has a different version. Did, now. did,
0: did you seek him out at that time? I mean, how, um, how did you, so I was there?
1: looking, yeah, I was looking at a couple of different places where I could go train. Um, mm-hmm. and it's so weird because it wasn't that long ago, right? It was only seven years ago, but professional swimming looked really different seven years ago than it does now. And I love that. But at the time you really weren't training post postgraduate, unless you were on the national team or had a very good chance to make it mm-hmm. or to make the Olympic team. Like it just, it wasn't a thing. Um, and so there were very few places I could go because most postgrads just stay with their school. Um, so I was, I was kind of looking at a couple of different places. Um, but what I loved about Charlotte and at the time swim Back was that there was a group there of people doing what I was doing everywhere else. I was kind of going to be a one-off. Like I was going to be a postgrad swimming with undergrads, or there was only like one or two pros in that whatever location. And um, I had been swimming alone so much and training alone that I was like, I need to be around a team and to be around a group of people that I'll enjoy, but that will also, you know, hold me accountable. And that was really why I, so yeah, I did see David out. Um, and gosh, like what a journey. (laughs) Like it was hard. Um, you know, he's a tough coach and I, he has that reputation. He's a great coach, but he definitely made me earn, you know, my spot on team elite.
0: Yeah. I mean, what, what were those first few months? Like,
1: uh, I think I cried every other day. (laughs) Um, you know, you're, I was balancing a lot, right. Like I had, um, this sort of underlying feeling that I wasn't good enough to be there, that I somehow didn't deserve to be there. I, I still wasn't even on the national team. I, um, didn't make the national team until my, like at the end of my first full year in Charlotte. So I showed up right after graduating college, never have me making a junior team, a national team, none of it. Um, I had no money. I had no way to support myself. And I kind of just showed up. And so, um, despite like, swimming well, like I could keep up with everyone. I remember there was a a point in time where I was like, okay, Katie, just look around. Like you're doing fine in practice. Like you're swimming at the same level as these professional athletes. So, you know, you do kind of deserve to be here, but first year I was trying to prove to David and, but mostly, and more importantly to myself that, you know, I could do this and that I was good enough to sort of be there. And, um, the end of my first year was when I made the pan pack te- or the pan am team and kind of had a crazy, like I had a, a, a great summer, but that first, those first few months were like, were not good. And I wasn't really improving um, a lesson in patience for all of you that switch coaches and training styles. It takes time. So be patient, but it does, it, it will click. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I just had a really great year. My, my, I guess third year, 2015 was, was the year of Pan Am. So end of 2014 into 2015, which set me up well for the Olympic year. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was like, when I say it was really hard, like I remember some days David would, well, for the most part, he didn't really acknowledge my existence. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but when he did it, like, it wasn't in kind or encouraging. It was like, you need to get that or and I was like, okay. <laughs> um, which I appreciate because i I tell people, um, and I like, I actually talk about this when I do job interviews is like, I'm pretty sure that I will never have a boss <laughs> as mean to me as my coach was. And he wasn't mean, but he was, he was, he's just a tough coach and he expects a lot. And I think he treated me that way because he knew that I was capable of one handling it into, um, he, I think he saw my potential And knew that if I was going to get from where I was when I joined his team to where I needed to be to be on the podium in 2016, it was going to be a really hard and fast journey because I didn't have a lot of time um, to sort of build those, you know, mental toughness skills that you need to go through an Olympic trials, prelims, semifinals and finals, and then do it again at the Olympics. And I think he kind of created that environment where I could gain those skills as painful and as hard as it was, I gained... Those skills and that confidence quickly, I think more quickly than, um, than a lot of people might be forced to. So not only did it set me up well to go to the Olympics, but it has set me up well in life.
0: That that's an interesting point. I I am going to skip over a couple of things. I mean, so in 2015, you go to Pan Ams, you win the hundred breast, you win gold on the 400 medley relay, you get silver in the 400 free relay, pretty sweet. Um, And, but you mentioned Marsha's training, setting you up well for Olympic trials. And, you know, I, someone recently was like, Olympic trials is a meet where you're always going to do better at your second one. Mm. Um, because, because you have to get one under your belt to just know what that meets about. Right. I mean, there's so many, every, everything is there. Every emotion high to low is at that meet, um, had, and you, had you been to Olympic trials before? In I did. I
1: went in 2012. Um, so that was right before my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do well. I think that's like, a, that's exactly the right, like, first of all, being at trials in 2012, I think was the first time I kind of looked around and I remember watching um, Carolyn Joyce make the 50 on the last night and um, the athletes sit very close to the pool. And I just, I'm like, I always get chills even when I think about this. Cause I watched her get out of the pool with so much joy that she was like physically shaking. And I remember looking at that and being like, I, I want, I love this sport and I want to be that, like, I want to feel what she's feeling. So that was my sort of, and, and also in 2012, I, you know, again, there, I was there by myself and, um, very overwhelmed Uh, I swam, I think I swam four events and I was there the whole time. So I just got to watch a lot. I I saw what, you know, the best were doing, how they warmed up, how they carried themselves. And um, that was really, really valuable also. But yeah, I, so I didn't, I didn't go through the emotions, right. Cause I I knew I wasn't going to make the team. I was there um, to do my best fully knowing that like, whatever. And I think, but what I did gain out of 2012 was just observing it and kind of taking it all in and being like, oh, yeah, like I, when I come back to this meet, like I'm going to be one of them, basically.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you, when you came back to that meet in 2016, you know, obviously, I, I from the outside, you were a front runner to make the team. I think a lot of people were kind of like, she, she came out of left field last year, but like she's, she's it now. Like, you know, you were a heavy favorite to make the team, especially in the 100 breast. Um, did you feel, prepared you know again with the marsh training with having been to trials again i mean did you feel like all right this is this is my time
1: um i think yes and the cool thing about being with marsh and team elite was that that is everyone's goal like he's created a place where um you know you're not training with him unless you have the potential to make the team so that made it easier in a sense and feeling like all of our team meetings, all of our conversations, it wasn't like, oh, you guys over here are gonna like go talk about making the Olympics. And like, you guys over here are gonna, you know, blow ring bubbles or whatever. It was like a very intense, um, that was the goal of the team and that was the expectation. So in that sense, yes, I felt prepared. And um, I had, you know, I had had a really great year prior. um, So I, I knew I was like, I can do this. It's just a matter of managing the nerves. And so when I say like, yes, I was prepared, it was terrifying. And I, like, even when you said Olympic trials, like a weight just like bubbled up in my chest, like, and everyone that swims at Olympic trials that makes or doesn't make a team, but that's close will tell you the same thing. Like it is just a intense, intense experience. And, um, unlike anything I've ever (laughs) gone through, I think, um, those two days of the hundred breaststroke, I, Madison was my roommate and she joked. she was like, I don't think you ate or slept at all for like five days. Like I, I think I ate like these power bar protein ball bites. Like it was all I could eat. I, I wasn't sleeping. Like I felt physically ill. I was so nervous. So yeah, it was a lot. So when I, like, I felt prepared going there. I remember after my first prelim swim, And, you know, you like go into a meet, you're tapered, you feel great. You're like, oh, it's going to be easy speed. And I remember it being really hard. And I was like, uh oh, (laughs) like I have two more. (laughs) Like that one was supposed to be easy. What's happening? (laughs) Um, And it's just, you know, it's just the intensity and the emotion of the meet. So yeah, to answer your question, yes, prepared in the sense that that was my goal. And that was the goal. And that had always been the goal. But um, it was certainly a challenge dealing with it um, at the time.
0: I mean, I'm I'm nervous just talking about this right now. This is like this is stressful. Um, but I have to ask, you know, take take me through that final swim.
1: Oh God. Um uh, uh, I was gonna say swim and was that high, was, but... um that was so I remember I'll start, I'll start at the end. I got out of the pool, obviously so elated, like so excited. Um, hugged everyone, got back to my to the team area, like took a breath, looked up at David and was like, um, I'm never coming back to this meet again like that was so scary like i can't i'm done like i can't do this again um i i could but it's it was it was hard like that was my feeling obviously so grateful i made the team so excited but that was my real my first initial thought was like this was the hardest thing i've ever done like i i'm good to have just done it once (laughs) like i can step away um at that time i thought i was retiring like that year so the calculus was a little different but (laughs) that was, that was really sort of my inner, um, inner deepest thought, but yeah, the the final was interesting. So I remember walking to the pool we were staying at the Hilton is the one that's connected, I believe. Um, so I was walking across the sky bridge, just absolutely petrified, terrified, so nervous. Um, and I'm the type, like I get nervous for meets, but it's more excitement. I, don't often, I mean, the bigger the meat, the more nervous you are, but I don't often feel like the, the nervous scared. Um, and that was like sheer terror. Um, it's like, I was just, I remember feeling like dizzy. Um, it just like was shaking. I just, I couldn't handle it. And I remember walking across the sky bridge and kind of like looking out over the pool and telling myself, okay, either you're going to go swim this hundred breast and you're going to make the Olympic team or you're not. And if you do, it'll be great. And if you don't, like that's going to suck in the moment, but your life is not over. Like I remember like my parents are still going to love me. My friends are still going to love me. Um everyone's going to be proud of me and I'm still going to be proud of myself because even though the goal is to make the team, like just the fact that I'm here in this moment, you know, with m- my career that has, you know, not been typical, um is incredible and is an incredible accomplishment and I should only be proud of that. And then on top of that, I had spent the last three and a half years training with professional athletes, traveling the world, going to like great meets, meeting people from different countries, like experiencing different cultures. And I just remember telling myself, if you don't make this team, you, your life has been incredible nonetheless. And like, you will go on And you will have like the experiences you've had are worth it, regardless of if you make it or not. And I think from that moment, I just kind of took a deep breath. I realized that. And then I was like, okay, um, I still was terrified, but that, that calmed me a little bit, just thinking, um, and I remember Madison speaking about this too, like just being there is such an accomplishment and I should only have felt proud, um, no matter the outcome. And I I think that's obviously harder said than done, especially when you finish, third, fourth, fifth, or even, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, but, but it's definitely true. Everyone, everyone at that meet has accomplished an incredible feat. And um, that's something that I think gets lost a lot that should be remembered.
0: Yeah. That's. (laughs) You're like deep
1: breaths, I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, So yeah, the final itself, I don't remember much. Um, I remember in the ready room, you know, I think ready rooms, especially for women and the breaststrokers, we were all very close. It was usually like everyone was chatting, you know, a friendly, friendly vibe. I remember the ready room being silent and like, we're all friends and nobody was looking at each other and nobody was speaking to each other. And I was like, oh God, like, this is not a good sign. Um, I remember Jess Hardy, who was always so friendly was like sitting in a chair, looking at the ground. And I was like, oh my God, like you just, people are acting differently than they normally are. It's more intense. It's serious. So I remember that. And then, um, I don't remember anything until, um, touching the wall and turning around. Like, I don't remember walking out. I don't, I don't remember diving in. I don't remember the race. Um, I do remember the last five to maybe seven meters. My arms were like giving out and I, I was like slipping. And I just remember saying, please, please just get to the wall. Like, please get to the wall. I think I closed my eyes and was like, just get, just finish. Um, so that was all I remembered. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm like sweating right now. This is, this got really intense, but um, so the, okay, there's, there's two more things I want to ask you about. Then um, it's a little, little back and forth. You, you talked about being grateful for all the experiences um, that you got to have leading up to that Olympic trials. And that's something really cool that uh, certainly from the public eye, it seemed like, Marsh's crew during that time had, right? Like you really got to live, you you got to experience the professional athlete experience, right? And that seemed really cool. And I mean, just give me a little taste of, of what that was like. You got to travel to cool meets, meet new people, eat exotic foods. You know, it's like, it seemed like um, you really got to get that professional athlete experience.
1: Definitely. And um, I, I'm really grateful for David, and for the culture he had set up at Team Elite, because he did very much foster an environment of we're a team, but you are all professionals and each one of your needs is different. And I'm not going to hold your hand and guide you through this process. I need you to have ownership over yourself and your career and know what you need. And um, that was uh, enlightening for me because I remember when I showed up, he was, it was like right before a big meet and he was like, okay, what are you going to do today? Like I walked into practice and he was like, what do you need? And I was like, what do you mean? You're the coach. You're supposed to tell me what I need. Um, and it took me a, a long time to get comfortable with that because I had always been told what I needed and what to do. But because of that, I, I could take ownership and I learned what I needed and I learned what I didn't need. And I could go to meets by myself without a coach and feel perfectly comfortable. And um, because of that, I, I did a lot of the world cups. I think I did like 15 or 16 world cups um, without a coach or without anyone from USA swimming or without any other us teammates there. I just went and made friends with swimmers from other countries and like just did the world cup thing, which I think was so valuable in my lead up to the Olympics because very similar to what ISL is doing. You're just racing a ton. You're racing against the best in the world. And, um, you're also just having to figure it out. Like I think part of the coolest thing about the Budapest bubble was that they all had to adapt in a way that they never had before. And that can be really healthy for an athlete because, I think adaptability is one of the best qualities that elite athletes can have and, um, can grow into. Cause you never know, like, you never know when you, you can control your controllables as much as you want, but something could always come up in the last day, um, the last hour before a race. So it's really important, I think, to learn how to be adaptable. So yeah, because of his sort of fostering this environment where you're your own coach and I'm, I'm here to help you, but you need, you know, you're in control. Um, and because of that, if you don't make a meet or if you don't accomplish your goals, it's it's your fault. It's not the coach's fault. Right. It's this was my journey and um, mine to sort of make my own. So because of that, we did get to do so much cool stuff. We would travel to a lot of places. Um, we took like a three week long trip to Australia once, which was amazing and did crazy things. Like we did ocean swims, like with jellyfish that I'll never forget. And so. Um, Like, I don't know, we, like we would do, we trained hard, but we would also supplement with a lot of fun and like, just, you know, exciting stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And I think I grew up a lot. I matured a lot and I learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, just how to sort of carry yourself through life and and taking ownership and not making excuses for things that are within your control.
0: Yeah. And. So, you know, you mentioned adaptability and, um, you, you make that Olympic team. And like you said, you thought that was going to be it. You thought you were going to retire, uh, stick around for a couple more years, but I'm guessing, you know, aside from swimming, you were kind of thinking, all right, what's next? What am I going to do here? Um, take me through that, those, those post Olympics and, and how, your career was still very much happening but you were also thinking about all right what what am i doing outside of swimming
1: yep so i got home from the olympics and kind of was like okay what's next um a lot of people i think think i'm younger than i am because i kind of showed up on the scene a little bit later um but i was 25 turning 26 which isn't old i'm not old but um I was at the point in my life where I was kind of like, okay, if I swim for another four years, I'm going to be 30 when I am done. And, um, which is ironic. Cause that's kind of what ended up happening. Um, but <laughs> I was like, if I swim for another quad, I, I feel like I haven't, there, I don't have enough in my you know life outside of swimming to set me up for what I want to accomplish for the rest of my life. And, mm-hmm. So I kind of came home from the Olympics and and thought like, what do I need to do next? Like what, what pieces do I need to put on, you know, in place so that when it's time for me to step away from the sport, I will have filled that sort of void that happens with a lot of swimmers when it kind of comes to a crashing halt one day. And I had always wanted to go to law school. It had always been sort of my plan and my goal. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'm just going to start the process. And so I got home, I took the LSAT and I applied to law school, but I still had that year where you're waiting to see if you get in. So that was 2017 for me, which actually was one of my favorite years in swimming. I think because the pressure was lifted off a little bit. Um, but we, I, I did tons of world cups that year. I swam best times in every event. Like I was just, I was swimming so fast. I was like, wow, this would have been cool to have (laughs) happened last year. But, um, but world championships in 2017 was a blast in Budapest. And, you know, Lily broke like every world record ever. And I ended up getting silver at that meet, which was and like lifetime best time by a ton. Um, so I think that was fun. But then, um, after that, I, I just, I went off to law school and I had thought that swimming would be it for me. Um, but I, and I've told this story before, I, I kind of volunteered myself to work with the Georgetown team as a way to stay connected to the sport. And also like, I was like, maybe I can see if I can like make this work somehow. Um, but fully expecting to not be able to. And, um, I just told myself, okay, let me see how often I can make it to practice. And I ended up making it way more often than I had thought I would. And so I was like, okay. Um, and then it was just, you know, it was, a, it was an effort on my part but also um like Lindsay mentenko on the national team and david like a lot of people helped me navigate it because my like to swim that year it didn't look the same as everyone else i i had to cut my training back so i had to be more creative with how i was training and then like i couldn't fulfill all of the obligations i needed to um that were required of the national team. Like I couldn't travel to the meets. I didn't have time to go to a meet every month. So Lindsay worked with me. I substituted like um, charity appearances and volunteer opportunities instead of the meets, so that I could sort of fulfill all my requirements there. But um, yeah, I just, I had a lot of help and I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm gonna keep going until I either am not enjoying it or I physically can't do it. And um, I think I, I stepped away like when I was ready to.
0: That's really cool. That's really great that you got to pursue your outside interests and, you know, kind of set yourself up, like you said, for things you wanted to accomplish for the rest of your life, but also step away when you wanted to, which is, sorry, I'm, I'm soaking that in because <laughs> it's so simple, but also a really cool opportunity.
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of people when I did retire, I, I got overwhelming support and love from so many people, which was like a surprise, but also so amazing of people just, you know, wishing me well and, and congratulating me. And a lot of people were upset. They were like, we like don't retire now. Like it's only one year before the Olympics. And um, I had actually thought pretty hard about training for 2020. Um And if I was going to, I was going to defer a year, so I wouldn't have finished my last year of school. And, you know, they say God works in mysterious ways, but if I had deferred my last year of school and tried to make the team in 2020, there like, (laughs) wouldn't have happened. Um, And I would have moved and not been able to train at all. And um, so I I definitely made the right decision, you know, hindsight's 2020. But but when I was thinking about that, um, I had long conversations with my parents, with David and with my friends. And um, I think the thing I came to realize was if I had pursued making the team in 2020, it would have been because other people wanted me to, and not necessarily because I wanted to. And I had had a dream career in swimming and I had accomplished more than I ever thought possible. And I didn't want to walk away from the sport disappointed in any way. I wanted to walk away loving it because I do love it. And I always loved it. Um, knowing that I for sure would miss it, but I, I didn't want to hang on because I was expected to, or because, um, um, because I just like thought I had to see something through. And I knew that if I didn't make the team in 20, if I had tried and not made it, that would have been fine with me, but I would have been, if I had tried and made it, would it have been incredible? Yes. Like are the Olympics amazing? Yes. Um, but I didn't have it in my heart as I did in 2016. And I think I had to really listen to that. And my, you know, my passion was, was turning toward other things. And, um, my, you know, my priorities were shifting and what I was interested in was shifting. And I, I really had to listen to that and, um, yeah. And to, and take the step away.
0: Most importantly, if you would have gone for 2020, you would have had to return to the Olympic trials and you already said you're not <laughs> new in that. Yeah. So that's that.
1: <laughs> and I vowed never to return <laughs> as a participant. <laughs>
0: um, so, okay. So I'm, I'm, we'll end with this. Um, you know, if, if like you said, af- after that, your career changed after 2016, your priorities changed, like you said, you're going in other areas, um, you know, for other swimmers who, who might be in that boat, who are kind of transitioning um, and are like, I still like swimming but I still might want to pursue other interests. Um, I mean, what advice do you have for them to, to, to try to do both and to start paving their way for this? This will set me up for the rest of my life and, and I can still keep swimming in it in some, in some way.
1: Um, it's a loaded question. Cause there's a lot of things to talk. We could like have a whole hour on just this topic, <laughs> but, um, next time I think next time, I think the biggest things to remember are that, um, especially for elite professional swimmers, kind of going back to what I said, you're, you are your own career and you can make of it what you want. I think so many times, not just in swimming, but in life, um, we get pigeonholed into pathways or journeys that have already been done. And because of that, you think that there's only one way to do something. Um, and if you're not on the path that everyone else has walked, like you, you either won't have success or, Um, you know, it'll be a waste of time or, you know, it's just, it's, it's never going to happen. And I think one of the biggest lessons I learned through swimming was that there are so many paths to success and some of them take a little bit more work than others, but, um, it doesn't mean they're not there and, and you have to be able to see it and it takes a lot of help and support. And I've always talked about how much, you know, I've been grateful for a lot of help and support, but. People are willing to help and support you. And it's just a matter of reaching out. And I think picking up the phone, I remember picking up the phone and calling Jack, who's the head coach at Georgetown and kind of being like, I don't really know. And he was like, well, we'll figure it out together. And if I hadn't have made that phone call, and if we hadn't have had that conversation, I wouldn't have swam for two more years and like gained those experiences. So it's, I, you know, it's cheesy to say like, use your network, but I, the swimming world is big, um, right. There's so many people in it in all walks of life. And one thing I found that no matter what you want to do, what you're interested in, you know, it can be any industry, any field, any desire, there's probably someone in that industry who swam. And if you could somehow find your way to them or find your way to someone who can find their way to them, they can help guide you on a path that maybe has never been forged before. Um, And I I think that's something that I would encourage athletes is don't be afraid to do something different just because you're the only one doing it. Um, And, you know, blaze your own trail and figure out what works for you. Um, I've been talking a lot to some athletes who are, have been given a year of eligibility back because of COVID. And they are talking about, you know, wanting to, they've reached out because they want to go to law school and they're wondering like, can I do it? And my advice is, yeah, you totally can. It's really hard, but um, but you have all the tools. You already have all the tools necessary to be able to do it. You just have to be willing to put in the work, which is kind of like swimming in a nutshell. Um, so, I, yeah, I just I encourage all swimmers, um, not just you know not just pros or elite athletes, but college swimmers too. Like, what are you doing outside of the pool that fills you up? Um, I think a lot of times swimmers can be, it's an intense sport and it takes up a lot of time and a lot of times, and I was definitely one of these people, right? Like I only had swimming. Um, and if I had stopped my swimming career with only having swimming, I think I wouldn't have been in a very good place because you don't really know what to do. You don't really have skills in any other areas. I mean, the skills you learn in swimming are applicable to everything. There's no doubt about that, but I'm talking about like learning how to use an office phone, (laughs) like, um, (laughs) I don't know, like, like learning how. What did I do earlier? Learning how to how to put table of contents into like a fifty word document that's being sent off. Like those are skills that swimming won't teach you. So, what are you doing out in your time outside of the pool? And there is a lot of time outside of the pool. You just have to be smart about how you use it to sort of fill you up. What are you passionate about? What do you um, What are you excited by? What drives you? Um, and you know, swimming can be a microcosm of all of that, but it's a really big world and there's a lot of really cool stuff to do and to explore. And, um, I think everyone should just, you know, go explore it and figure out what else there is, um, what makes you, you outside of being a swimmer.
0: You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast, stay tuned for new episodes every week.